What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind the scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash who would win show right now. Who would win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash who would win show. And for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The city is deserted. The only ones left are the dead and the damned. Joel and Ellie check their backpacks to make sure they have all the supplies that they can carry. Looking out into the street, they see a tumbleweed cross through. On the other side of that tumbleweed, Katniss Everdeen and Peeta check themselves for preparedness. They don't know who else might be out there, but they know there is someone somewhere who would do them harm. A chance encounter, maybe. But both sides have been prepping for this exact moment in time. It's Apocalypse versus Dystopia. It's The Last of Us versus The Hunger Games. It's Joel and Ellie versus Katniss and Peeta. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Legion of Audience, we are bringing you another crazy matchup dreamed up by the Who Would Win production team. In one corner, you have The Last of Us' characters of Joel and Ellie brought to live action from the epic game by HBO versus the ultimate team of badasses from the Hunger Games series, Katniss Everdeen and Peter Millark, of course. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And unbelievably, as far as I can tell, this matchup has been mentioned 
once, only once. Just once. At least only once that I could find. Wow. Just once. And I did a big search. You know what I do. And even then, it was only mentioned super briefly in passing, which means it's time for this battle to get the who would win treatment. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's battle? I'm repping a video game character, James, and I'm repping a video game character that has been launched, thrust into the public eye. Joel and Ellie from The Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2, two of the most epic, important video games of our time, two of the best video Video game narratives and character sets that we've ever seen uh, adapted for the PlayStation. That's cool. And Katniss and Peta, look, people have been asking for Katniss Everdeen to be on the show from The Hunger Games for a very, very long time. Those movies are kind of good. I've only seen the first one, but they're kind of good. That first one that I saw and I was into it, it was playing all the time, like on TNT and, and that's great. So I think that this is a chance to merge and mix two universes that are similar, but very different and bring together two sets of characters who would have a bad time if they ever ran into each other. This is definitely an interesting matchup, but you know, I, I was thinking about how both of these worlds that are involved in today's episode have survival type, somewhat uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, scenarios to various degrees. So that got me thinking. Let's say I don't know. You and I found ourselves so suddenly in a zombie-infested post-apocalyptic world. How would you and I survive? Would we work together? Oh, would no. we split apart, form our own separate factions? What's going to happen with James and Ray somehow in a post-apocalyptic zombie world? Now, I found the best way to survive, and I've said this before, but the best way to survive a post-apocalyptic world is to become an NPC. So I would take myself to like a Home Depot or a grocery store type environment, and I would barricade it, load down with, you know, weapons, and then I'd be the guy that you have to like get the gas canister from and that would be you, James. You'd have a team of ragtag survivors. You would need my help to get the gas tank to take the boat across the Mississippi or whatever the heck's going on here. And I'm like, well, you want that. You got to bring me some frozen pizza. And I don't even need frozen pizza. I just want to see you do something for me. That's how I'd survive. Okay, so that's completely wrong. You wouldn't survive. Here, here's what would happen. I think you'd actually do okay for like a, a week, maybe two weeks. I'm heading to my nearest Costco. I'm breaking in. I'm going to be a natural leader type. I'm bringing a whole group with me. We're taking over a Costco because everyone realized with me in charge, everyone's going to do much better. We close it off and then we'll start with some trade kind of stuff. You'll show up eventually. You'll be like, hey, can I please have some pizza for me? Because all of a sudden your accent changes to the deep south as it normally does. It does. And I'll say, yeah. no. No, you got to now prove yourself worthy to get into my new empire, which is what the Costco empire would be. I'd create a network. I'm just saying I would take over Costco. Your power dynamic it, it, is completely is off in this scenario, and I'm angry at you for it. <laughs> Leadership skills versus loud yelling in a zombie apocalypse. We'll see what happens. Yeah, which one do you think gets people after you better, James? What do they do to their actual leaders like Rick Grimes of the zombie apocalypse? He has bad day after bad day. Yeah, but he doesn't go to a Costco, Ray. Like, he's like, well, that was hey, his first we got to find Carl and go after some food. And it, No, no, stay put in a Costco and let people come to you. This is leadership talk. I'm from Canada, Ray. Every day is a zombie apocalypse. One question that I've always had about The Walking Dead is, if they were a book, would Norman read us? Luckily, we have a great judge today who can help us out with our battle, uh, making their first appearance on the Who to Win show. This is someone I'm so excited to have here. It's a Turbo Team guy from I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. It's the clerk from Sharknado. What an icon. It's Haystacks Calhoun from The Young Rock. It's the one and only Steve Molden. Steve, welcome to Who Would Win. 
Hello, thank you so very much for having me. It's great to be here. Steve, listen, uh, you, you, we talked a little bit before the show. You're doing a lot of great stuff, but just tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to. Wow, what have I been up to? All right, so, uh, well, whew, I got uh, I got to film that episode of Young Rock, and that took about five weeks of going to wow. Australia, and that was pretty outstanding. Um, and then I got to do some training. I got to uh, train one day in the gym, not in the gym, in the ring, and I got to put this forearm right here over and over again into the back of none other than Chavo Guerrero Jr., and that was pretty exciting. Then, you know, we filmed for the next two days. I had one more day off in Australia. They sent me back to America. And uh, since then, I've been doing a whole lot of auditioning. I booked a role right before Christmas that's going to be my second appearance on a certain show that I have to keep quiet for the moment. Mm. But it's going to be extremely exciting to show up in that show again as a completely different character. And what else have I been up to? Yeah, just it. day jobbing and auditioning like crazy and just, uh, you know, looking and looking and looking for that next thing, man. And listening to Who Would Win. I love it. I, well, you also said that you were a fan of the Who Would Win show, which I love. And, you know, we're a big fan of yours. So the, the synergy here is, is just insane. Now, let's kind of ask you that super important question. You heard about what Uh-oh. we were talking about before we introduced you. Let's say you find yourself in the same post-apocalyptic world that Ray and I were talking about. What are you going to do to survive? Man, it's tricky. So like when I was in my, you know, late teens and 20s and stuff, especially right there before the year 2000, I was taking this question very seriously. But now that I'm, you know, I'm up here, I'm above 39, so to speak. You know, I've got a couple, I've got two back injuries that are just there all the time. Got to work through those. But I am six feet five. So as great as the Costco idea is, or even the Walmart idea or the Target idea, what have you, after being on the internet all these years, I know a lot of people have that exact same idea. So your chances of getting to Costco first are kind of slim. Your chances of getting there and not having somebody come right up behind you and try to get there are also kind of slim. I think what I would do is do my best to lay low in my crib for a little while and then start venturing out before things got desperate. And if I met any teams, such as a James team or a Ray team or a Rick Grimes team, I'd do my best to be like, hey, uh, I think I'm fairly funny. I'm six feet five. Who can't use a six feet five in their zombie apocalypse team, right? I got a good reach. I got an endless swing. Give me a melee weapon. Give me a sharpened shovel. And let me just uh, join up with you crazy marauders. And hopefully you don't do anything that makes me feel the need to stab you in the back one day. I mean, this is quite logical. But, you know, the thought just crossed my mind between you, Ray's a big guy. I'm a big guy as well. Yeah. All three of us would actually make for fantastic zombies. That's true. We'd be some right? big, scary zombies filling up doorways yeah. as we came what's the word sauntering through no staggering through do you hear that the last of us tv show get us on the show as zombies i think the world <laughs> needs it my answer is yes in so advance too. i'd make a and great way, there's gotta be like <laughs> there's, there's gotta be at least three dozen spin-offs of the walking dead by by now so yeah we got ample opportunity all right listen we have an amazing judge on the show we've got a crazy matchup we've got excitement we got everything we need so let's get this party started ray please do us the honors and announce today's battle representing the last of us the duo that might not love to party 
but do know a fun guy when they see one, Joel and Ellie. And representing the Hunger Games, the duo who go to McDonald's in France and order a battle royale with cheese, Katniss and PETA. I love it. All right. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, you've hinted to this, but what version of Joel and Ellie are you using for today's battle? I would be flatly insane to try to use the Joel and Ellie as seen through two episodes of the HBO series, (laughs) The Last of Us. So I'm instead going to go with the full two video games of The Last of Us gaming. You've done crazy stuff before, but I think that's the right call. Uh, listen, I think uh, the book versions of um, The Hunger Games and these characters are pretty insane, but I'm definitely going to stick with the film versions. I think they match up really well with the, what I know anyway, of the uh, video game characters that they're facing. All right, rule number four. Debaters may use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Beats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed and finally rule number six the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic and before we get started don't forget to visit the official who would win store to get your very own who would win merchandise and accessories go to who would win store.com that's who would win store.com now to get your hands on some fantastic who would win merch We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Your pet's a member of the family. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Nom Nom. Nom Nom's nutrient-packed recipes are meticulously crafted by their board-certified veterinary nutritionists with quality, flavor, and texture in mind. NomNomNow.com is where you want to go to learn more. During COVID, my family adopted a big, huge, lovable dog we named Apollo. And Apollo was the greatest thing for our family during that time. Whenever the kids had to do another remote learning class through Zoom, Apollo would stay with them and cheer them up for the entire day. And just like you, my dog is a member of the family. And that's why I love treating him with his own special meal plan from Nom Nom, which is the best dog food ever. And what's even better is that Apollo loves the taste of Nom Nom. He's never been happier. He's never had more energy. And according to the vet, he's never been healthier. And a healthy and happy dog means I've got a happy family. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash www. Spelled trynom.com slash www for 50% off. Trynom.com slash www. And now, let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Joel and Ellie. Joel and Ellie are two survivors of a fungal outbreak making their way across the country in an apocalyptic environment. They were created by Neil Druckmann and Jacob Minkoff at Naughty Dog Studios and first appeared in the video game The Last of Us in 2013. Joel is a man struggling to find his place in post-apocalyptic society. Gruff and willing to do what others won't, Joel lost a huge piece of himself when his teenage daughter was shot and killed at the beginning of the plague. Ellie is immune to the fungal virus that has overtaken the world, and Joel is tasked to bring her across the country to a revolutionary group called the Fireflies in the hopes that a cure can be found. Fun fact, it turns out that The Last of Us might share a universe with the Uncharted video game series. Kinda, sorta, maybe. At the beginning of Uncharted 3, a newspaper can be found with the headline, Scientists are still struggling to understand deadly fungus. This was meant to be an in-game teaser and easter egg for the studio's next project, but maybe, just maybe, it wasn't? And maybe we can expect to see Tom Holland show up as Nathan Drake in season one of the TV show. Maybe not. Anyways, that is Joel and Ellie. And I would like to just point out really, really quick here. If you don't want to be spoiled to The Last of Us, this 10-year-old video game and its sequel, uh, skip ahead to the very end, probably, because this is going to get spoiled, and if you're going to watch the TV show, not to say that the video games are going to be exact replicas, but I think it's going to be pretty close, so if you don't want to know some things, then maybe, you know, we got your download already, we're good. I mean, I'm sure our sponsors and advertisers are, are absolutely They've in line with what you're the saying, ad break, right? James. Just go ahead. And- I, I, we win. <laughs> All right. This is why we can't have nice things. And here are the details for Katniss Everdeen and Peter Mellark. Both of these characters first appeared in the book version of The Hunger Games, which was written by Suzanne Collins and was first published in 2008. The Hunger Games movie itself was, re- was released in 2012. Jennifer Lawrence played the role of Katniss Everdeen and Josh Hutcherson played the role of Peter Mellark. Now, The Hunger Games is set in the post-apocalyptic nation of Panem, where every year one boy and one girl between the ages of 12 and 18 are selected from each of the 12 districts to participate in The Hunger Games, a brutal televised fight to the death. 
That's awesome. The story follows Katniss Everdeen, a 16-year-old girl from District 12, who volunteers to take her younger sister's place in the Hunger Games. Along with Peter Melark, a boy from her district also selected to participate, Katniss must fight to survive against the other tributes, the other people you know, participating in the Hunger Games, while also navigating the political intrigues surrounding the games themselves. Throughout the series, Katniss becomes a symbol of rebellion against the oppressive government and leads a revolution to overthrow the cruel leadership of President Snow. And here's an interesting fact about the Hunger Games. Did you know that the Hunger Games was inspired by reality TV and the Iraq War? It's true. Suzanne Collins revealed that the whole idea for the Hunger Games, as well as the inspiration for Katniss Everdeen's story, began when she was watching television, seeing reality TV shows on certain channels juxtaposed with footage from the Iraq War on others. She said these two things began to sort of fuse together in a very unsettling way, which then gave her the inspiration for the Hunger Games. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Steve, if you have any questions before we get started? My only question, if it's even available information, do we have heights on these four characters? Let's see here. That's, Let's a, see. that's a great question. Joel is, I would say, like a slightly above average height for sure. Ellie is probably a little smaller, but she's strong. Okay. All right. And I'd, I'd say Katniss Everdeen and Josh or the uh, uh, Peter Mellark are both probably around 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, you put them both around 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, so okay. interestingly enough... I've got the bigger and the smaller one, and he's got the two in the middle. Very interesting. My math collaborates what Ray says. <laughs> as a as a as a tall man who's had to do some bouncing gigs, I I'm I'm just height is just gonna automatically figure in somewhat please continue. I don't think Definitely I have any further questions. Definitely a factor. Reach makes a big difference sometimes. Absolutely. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Joel and Ellie. Let's talk about their general attitudes towards life, as well as the situation that these two duos find themselves in in their respective properties. One of them is a post-apocalyptic fungal outbreak society where these spores get into your brains and they turn people into essentially zombie monsters. And the longer that they stay infected, the worse situation it is, the bigger and nastier that the zombie monster becomes. Meanwhile, Katniss and PETA were on a game show. That's all I'm trying to say. Now, was it a deadly game show? Sure. But was it a game show? Yes. It was televised. It has rules. That's the thing. There are no rules in the Last of Us universe, but the Hunger Games situation has rules. You, you know, the rules might be changing. They might be constant, but Katniss and PETA had the advantage in their own world of being able to see the Hunger Games on television before competing in the Hunger Games. So they would have had at least some idea what to expect, what other people were capable of, and the world that they were about to jump into, even though it was dangerous. The Last of Us was just something that happened to the world, and Joel has survived 20 years in this world despite losing the one he cared about the most on, like, the first day of the situation. It is a bad place to be, and he had to take himself to some dark corners. By that stretch, I would think that when it comes time to improvise in their scenarios, Joel and Ellie are going to be able to improvise a heck of a lot better than the pre-programmed Katniss and PETA would ever be able to do because you have to just figure it out and make it work and be ready for the unexpected. You didn't just get to watch the zombie apocalypse happen on TV for 10 years, etc., before actually having to go out into the wilds. A huge difference there. And the fighting. 
I've seen Katniss and Peeta fight in these movies, and they're good. They are talented. They are decent fighters. But they're not Joel and Ellie. Joel and Ellie fight with a savagery that just is not known. Even though the people in the Hunger Games are fighting for their lives, Joel and Ellie are scrapping and clawing and biting every single chance that they get. Also, Joel fights seamlessly between his guns and melee. I've seen him shoot the shotgun, hit a guy in the face with the butt of the rifle, and then within a blink of an eye is throwing punches with the gun safely stashed on his backpack. Both Joel and Ellie wear backpacks which are stashed with gear that they know like the back of their hands to immediately grab and pull anything for any situation that they need to. I've seen Ellie react by dropping like a tripwire bomb when she was surprised by somebody just as an instinctual reaction. And that's going to serve them very, very well. And they use the environment well. I've seen uh, Joel use broken glass to slam somebody's face down on or neck or ooh, it's gross. I've seen him use the edges of desks to just smash people's heads on. And they also use a lot of cover. It's a big cover shooter type of game, which means that they can absolutely hide when they need to and then pop out and take the shots where they have to. And the last Last thing I want to talk about right here is the weapons of these two characters because Joel and Ellie use shivs, all different types of guns from shotguns, sniper rifles, pistols. Ellie's extremely good as a, with a bow and arrow. Might not be as good as Katniss, but she can definitely hold her own. And not to mention that Joel uses pipes and melee weapons that he's upgraded with blades and a flamethrower. This man can set you on fire. At the end of the day, Joel and Ellie are a little bit too fierce, have been in a slightly more dangerous situation, and Katniss and Peeta, despite what they've been through, are not ready for this. And that's my point number one. I mean, again, it, these are all really great points. And, and instead of kind of debating what Joel and Ellie can do, let me kind of emphasize some really interesting points about the Hunger Games itself. You know, first of all, the the environment in which they're in is changing, right? If the people playing the game think that Katniss is, you know, doing something, she's getting too close to something else, they're shooting fireballs at her. They're doing all this crazy stuff to her. They're sending in mutations. I mean, she's not able to kind of get her bearing on her environment. She doesn't know what's happening because there's something outside controlling everything with her. Look, they also create these mutations and these creatures that are hunters, absolutely deadly, who can run super fast, you know, Apex predator, Predators mutated even further, coming after them at the discretion of the people running the games. That's the kind of danger they've survived and overcome and taken out. And finally, you know, in the Hunger Games, the most dangerous fact is the people, again, it's, it's the people running the games, right? It, what's really interesting is Joel and Ellie, if they need to, they can hide. They can find refuge in the Hunger Games because they have tracker chips. Uh, Katniss and Peta can't hide. The people running the games always know where they are. Put them in a cave, camouflage, it doesn't matter. The people running the games always know where they are, so they can't hide, really, and they still overcame everything and won. All right, so let me get to my point number one. And my point number one, let's talk about the great cap capabilities of both of these characters. Let's start off with Katniss. So let's talk about her physical fitness and agility in the arena. You know, the Hunger Games arena, Katniss is able to outrun and easily outsmart her opponents, uses her agility and speed to evade capture all the time. In the 74th Hunger Games, she uses her skills to climb trees, move quickly through the forest. She can navigate terrain like no one's business. She's also a very strategic thinker. In the same games, Katniss forms an alliance with different people, with Rue, a younger person from District 11, to gather supplies and set 
traps for other trivia. I mean, she just knows how to kind of get the people with her if she needs to. That's going to be a big factor in this fight. She's an insane marks person. Her accuracy is incredible. Ray, you already said it, but Katniss's archery is right up there. You think of like Hawkeye or something like that. Well, Katniss is not at that level, but she's not horribly far off from it. She is someone who can, you know, take out tributes to other people competing against her from super far distances, and she knows how to stay hidden while she's shooting or shooting while running at the same time. She's got amazing survival skills. She's able to forage for food, create shelters, because I don't know if this battle is going to be super quick. This could take time over a couple of days or so, and she's going to survive that no problem because of her survival skills. She's also an amazing leader and can get people to come onto her side. Just make a note about that for another point. She's super resilient throughout the series. You know, she's like emotionally traumatized. She had to take the place from her sister to go into the games. And she just rose to the occasion. She's able to overcome all because she's fearless. She's super smart. And she's a winner through and through. She won the first Hunger Games with PETA. She's just that kind of winner and can overcome everything. Now, let's talk about PETA. Now, he's got this self-control and composure. Even when he's injured, even when he's hurt, he knows how to get on people's sides. He knows how to let his emotions not get the better of him, unlike Joel in The Last of Us, which is unfortunate. Now, in physical strength and endurance, there's this really cool scene where PETA has to pick up this boulder-like object during training, and he picks it up and whips it at this object and just destroys it just to kind of show everybody he's a physical presence. So he's super strong. He also was wrestling and ragdolling a little bit, the main other villain or tribute at the end of the Hunger Games show, where he's actually picking him up and throwing a guy much bigger than him. His strength is actually great. He's also got a form of James Gabsy's patented intoxicating mind fog, patent pending anyway. We see PETA use his charm and his charisma to win over the audience and gain sponsors who then send him stuff and all that, you know, healing creams and all that kind of good stuff. And he declares his love for Katniss. Why? Because he does love her, but also because he knows that's going to get more from the sponsors who can send objects in. Not that there's sponsors who are going to work in this battle, but it's something he knows how to use his personality, his charm, whatever it is, to disarm people, get them on his side, or at least bring down their defenses to make them open an attack. He's also resilient. He's well, someone who's willing to sacrifice himself if that means Katniss is going to come out the winner. That could be crucial in this fight as well. And he's got these really cool camouflaging skills where from out of the blue, he'll find some way to put himself in the ground, cover his face with mud. This is while he's wounded horribly and sit perfectly still so that no one can see. In fact, we saw that in the first Hunger Games movie. Katniss walks over him and he's, she's just like looking, trying to find him. And all of a sudden a hand comes out from the ground and grabs her leg and it's him completely camouflaged. You couldn't see anything until he opened his eyes. Absolutely freaky. Look, put all this together and you have a very, very strong team in this battle. All of that is my point number one. Okay, yeah. I mean, Katniss can do some things. PETA can do some things. He hides. He's got a good hiding ability. You know, I would argue that maybe these two aren't on the same page that Joel and Ellie are on. You know, they do care about each other. They do love each other. Absolutely. But do they work as a team as well as Joel and Ellie? I don't know. But some things you mentioned right here is that they trust other people maybe a little bit too much. Katniss is out there trying to make friends in the Hunger Games. PETA joined, what were they called? The Careers? He joined another group like right away and they just to try to like, you know, protect Katniss, I guess. These people trust a little bit too much. If you put that much trust in Joel and Ellie, they will stab you in the neck and you won't even know what happened until your body hits the floor. The other important thing to remember here, mentioning the weapons of The Last of Us, shotguns, you know, uh, sniper rifles, handguns. You know one thing that was not in the Hunger Games in the actual battles themselves? Firearms. So one side has firearms and the other one doesn't. I like my chances. 
All right. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So, Steve, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? It's tricky, you guys. I know very little about Last of Us. I know very little about Hunger Games. I don't even think I watched the third movie. But right now, Ray is making a very compelling argument with that uh, that savagery, like a, like a like a Batman and Robin who have just spent way too many rainy nights in the woods and... I think that that's given them quite the edge at the moment. Whereas not to say Katniss and PETA are weak by any means, but they do get a lot of, you know, a good amount of pampering before going into the hunger games. And so at the moment, I think the savagery of Joel and Ellie is, is giving them the edge for now. Interesting. All right. I like where this is going because this is actually kind of playing into my plan here. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. I think Steve picked up on a wonderful thing there is the pampering. You know, one thing Joel and Ellie were never worried about in their ordeal, their outfits and hairstyles. And I think that goes back to the savagery. If you're fighting somebody, I want them to worry about will they kill their opponent, not will I look good on TV. So let's talk about some of the BA moments of Joel and Ellie because Joel and Ellie will not hesitate to kill you. They have proven it time and time and time again. Joel will actually start by stabbing you with the leg. He'll ask you some questions. Then he'll probably shoot you afterwards if he believes what you told him. He's not a nice person. But I would argue that the characters of the Hunger Games will hesitate before taking that kill. They really don't want to kill. You know, they were they were paired up with people in these movies in the Hunger Games themselves that they did not kill. In fact, they tried to use them to help them and tried to even save them when they were going to die. That's not who Joel and Ellie are. They're about each other, and that's it. That's the end of the list right there. Maybe Joel's brother at one point. We'll get there when we get there. One thing that Ellie really does is play psychological games because she is physically smaller, especially in the first game before she sort of grows up a little bit and starts beefing up, beefing up quite a bit compared to where she was as a preteen or a young teenager. She likes to lure her opponents into a false sense of security and then strikes them with a kill shot the second that she can. She once broke the finger of a jailer who came over and was like, I don't know, threatening her, enticing her, whatever it was. She broke his finger right there in the jail cell, even though, you know, not doing so might have been the correct answer at the time. She was laid out at a table by that guy and another guy, and they were about to absolutely murder her. And she grabs, like, what was it, a machete? And she whacks a dude after feigning like she was, like, unconscious for a moment. That's what she does. Her go-to move is a knife to the neck from behind. And I've seen her jump off of a second-story building to knife somebody in the neck on the way down like she was in an Assassin's Creed game instead of a Last of Us game. And she also, there was, she was fighting a grown man in a flaming bar. It was on fire. And she crawled her way over to a machete without him realizing what she was doing. And she whacked him with it a few times. And then hit him a lot of times afterwards. It was pretty brutal. She is a brutal character. And let's not forget how tough Joel is. Joel's been through a lot, emotionally and physically. He was fighting with a guy who fell off the second floor of, I think, like a mall, and he ended up getting run through with a, like a pipe of rebar that went right through his midsection and he had to be pulled off of it. He still had the presence of mind to shoot a bunch of people, get to his feet, make his way out of the mall, and take shots at more people as he was going. 
he finally uh, fell under from this wild amount of damage, but he had gotten on top of a horse before that happened so he could escape. Unbelievable. And let's not forget, spoiler alert, the very end of the first Last of Us game. Joel found out that Ellie was going to be killed by the fireflies so they could uh, study her brain and they could make the cure. And he said, that doesn't work for me. Even though a guy with a guard with a gun to him at like point blank range was said if he moves or makes a move, kill him. He first off was able to knock the gun aside Despite being at a disadvantage, he was able to straight up murder that guy, find out where they were keeping Ellie, and then murdered his way through the entire hospital, saving Ellie by himself against an entire hospital full of these fireflies. Unbelievable. And Ellie's extremely tough also. In her final fight at the end of Last of Us 2 against Abby, she lost two fingers who I believe were bitten off by her opponent just the two tips of her uh, two fingers on her hand, she still in that moment, despite having massive hand trauma, was able to hold Abby underneath the water to the point where she had the opportunity to drown her. These people fight through the pain, fight through everything, and still find themselves alive at the end of the day for the most part. And that's my point number two. All right. Okay. Uh, again, you're kind of demonstrating the awesomeness of these games. Uh, I know I've said I should really get it more into gaming, and I and I should. And uh, when I can, this will definitely be on that list of games I hopefully will play someday, maybe possibly in the future, maybe. All right. Now, look, here's the deal. First of all, you talk about the pampering these characters get. It's for two weeks before the games actually start. These are people who were born into horrible poverty. They had to fight for survival and, you know, had scraps thrown to them and it was just horrible living conditions. And, you know, you got to remember Katniss was like having to go out into the forest and kill her own animals because there's no food elsewhere, which is great. These were not pampered individuals. They were so the pampering was so foreign and alien to them. They didn't even know how to take it the first time it happened. And again, it's only for two weeks before the games themselves, which are crazy. The other thing is, too, that Joel and Ellie, I mean, they're amazing people. When they were a team, Joel was an adult. Ellie was a kid. Now, in the second game, Ellie's much without giving away. Ellie's much older, but that's her most fierce, most competent version. That version never actually fought cohesively with Joel as a dynamic duo. Keep that in mind. So that whole cohesiveness, I don't think would have been the same thing with both of them as adults because Ellie had her own style after a while. And finally, you know, I just wonder if Joel, because he's super emotional, which is one of the reasons I think he's just an awesome character, but would Joel hesitate to harm Katniss? as she may resemble his dead daughter? Would he hold back against hurting someone who was like, you know, not even really an adult, who kind of maybe reminded him of someone who was very near and dear to him who died? I don't know. Again, emotion, seeing someone remind, uh, could be some hesitation. All right, with all that being said, let me get to my point number two. And in my point number two, Let's talk about the weapons that Katniss and Petra use throughout the film series. Now, Ray did a great job outlining the stuff that Joel and Ellie have, but, you know, Katniss and Petra actually can do some crazy cool stuff with what they've got. So throughout the Hunger Games series, they both use a variety of weapons. They even got a light armor to bend themselves against, you know, their opponents and fight against them. They've got the bows and arrows, of course. Katniss is really an expert master archer. Her primary weapon is the bow and arrow. And Peta also uses the bow and arrows as a weapon fairly well, but he's definitely not in the same league as Katniss. Now, they both use knives and they use them for close combat and as a survival tool. They got these back Packs that with them that contain supplies such as food, medicine, other items they need to survive. Again, I don't think this is going to be a super quick fight. I think this could take place over two days with a really cool survival kind of 
that first blood Rambo thing going on. Let's see. They've also got armor. It's slight. It's light armor, but it's definitely something that can help them survive it. They can use, and they've got Molotov cocktails. Let's see. They can, they've got metal wire, and this is actually really cool. Now, you might think metal wire, so what? But during the 74th Hunger Games, Katniss and Peter used metal wire to make traps and snares to capture other tributes. In other words, metal wire in their hands become a savage weapon and a deadly trap that they can use very, very quickly. They've got spears. They've got smoke bombs. Uh, they've got crossbows in the later movies. They've got fire arrows. And in terms of using weapons, Katniss and Petra were able to take out the career, the 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 top-trained tributes or other people going against them in the Hunger Games. Uh, let's see. They also killed those mutations I referred to. During the 75th Hunger Games, Katniss and Peter used their weapons to take out these mutations. These are genetically modified creatures that are sent in the arena to, to hunt the tributes. It's really, really cool. They look, they look like massive, huge dogs sometimes, other mutations or whatever, and they took them out. They've killed the peacekeepers during the big rebellion, and it's the rebellion against the capital city of uh, Panem, and Katniss and use their weapons to take out the peacekeepers, the enforcers of the capital's rule. Let's see, they kill the capital's leader, President Snow, in the final battle. They actually won. That's the whole thing. Uh, let's see, they saved the entire district from the capital's oppression. Now, the capital city oppresses all the 12 other districts. They get the best stuff, and they actually led, you know, using their leadership skills, their survival skills their weapon skills they actually led the rebellion to victory uh and bring an end to what the capital's oppression was they actually won it's actually really insane so with their weapons never mind their survival skills and everything else they can do they actually succeeded and won what they were supposed to win these are people who put weapons in their hands they're going to be very deadly and again most of their weapons are also their survival things survivalists Weapons people, and they actually won and overcame what they were supposed to overcome. That's my point number two. All right, all right. They won what they were supposed to overcome because there was still a society in place in this world that they could win the hearts and minds of. Please, this is a dystopian future, not a post-apocalyptic future. Who is Joel and Ellie supposed to win over? You've got the, the Fedra government that's just executing people in the streets, and you've got the Fireflies, who are the revolutionary you know, freedom fighters, who also, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of suck. So I don't know who exactly they're supposed to win from. Staying alive every day is a win. And you asked the question, would Joel hold back because Katniss Everdeen is a young woman? No, there's no situation where he would hold back. He met Ellie on a whim when she was very young, a preteen. Uh, Katniss Everdeen is not a preteen. She is older and she's got weapons and is trying to kill him. He will show her no mercy. I would also argue that Katniss, as I said before, is a compassionate character, as is PETA. They are not going to feel good about themselves if they kill Joel and Ellie, but Joel and Ellie won't care if they kill Katniss and PETA. It'll just be two more bodies in the streets. Interesting points. All right. We are at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Steve tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Steve has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we have another brand new, I just have to use this person because their name on Patreon, brand new character, brand new person. Awkward ally. Yes, awkward ally. I'm I'm here for you. It's your moment to shine on the Who Would Win show. I don't think we should reward social, socially awkward people. I think that's just something we should help them with. But you know what? Celebrate what you gotta celebrate. All right, let's keep the archer theme going. Let's have them go against Hawkeye. 
Hawkeye versus Awkward Ally. This is a bad day for Hawkeye. You know, Hawkeye's worried about his family. Hawkeye's worried about, did I bring the right arrows? Hawkeye's worried about, boy, I wish I had superpowers and didn't have to wear purple all day. But unfortunately, none of that's going to do any good because the Awkward Ally is going to step forward. And the Awkward Ally is going to say, Hawkeye, I call you out. Today is the day that we will fight here in the streets. And Hawkeye's going to pull out his bow. He's going to pull out one of several trick arrows. He's going to pull it back and he's going to aim it right at Awkward Ally. And Awkward Ally is going to say, I'm not afraid of you. And Hawkeye is going to say, you should be afraid of my arrows. You have a chance to leave right now. Leave right now. But Awkward Ally is going to say no. And I'll tell you why with three magical words. And Hawkeye is going to hesitate for a moment. He's going to say, what are these three words? And Awkward Ally is just going to say, Ray is right. And Hawkeye is going to crap himself, run away from the battlefield because he knows. Hashtag Ray is right. Awkward Ally wins by self-battlefield removal of Hawkeye. You know, I know the mention of your name has made people, you know, uh, induce vomiting. You know what I mean? But I didn't know it could also <laughs> induce self-defecation. Oh, James, this all tracks me, by the way. We've learned on the Who Would Win show in the production rooms that my name has caused people to run for the hills, especially when they owe me money. Making friends wherever you go. All right, congratulations, uh, good person that has a weird name. Remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the turning point. Steve, you've had a moment to ponder two points for both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? It's still very tricky. Mm, that Joel and Ellie savagery plus firearms plus, quite frankly, maybe just a little more desperation. It's a strong, strong edge. But, James, I'm sorry. Ray is correct about one point. Joel would not hesitate to kill Katniss if it means keeping Ellie safe. The light armor, however. Light armor is, is, is you know, it's armor. It's a pretty nice advantage uh i i'm not sure has there ever been uh indication of how it holds up against a bullet being fired from a gun or does hunger games use more like stun weapons and laser weapons i'm not sure how does that armor hold up against say a 45 can that light hunger games armor really hold up against ellie's shotgun or or Joel's Glock, or what have you. The metal wire for setting traps. The the the, the government-issued metal wire that Katniss and PETA get to run around with. That's a pretty big deal. I have no idea if Joel and Ellie are super adept at being cautious about traps. I would think if Joel's been surviving in the apocalypse, the post-apocalypse, for 20 years, I think he knows how to spot a trap. But Katniss and Peta, they've got the stuff to make the trap. So that's that's a that's a ooh, that's a pretty big swing in their direction. And then we've got Joel and Ellie. They fight the fungus mutants. Katniss and Peta fight government-made special mutants designed to keep the Hunger Games interesting. I think in this moment, that set of factors is giving them the slight edge. Over Joel and Ellie, but it is a slight edge, you guys. Slight. Right now, round one went to 
Joel and Ellie. Round two is going to Katniss and Peta. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's 111 to 110. The, the, the lead is so very narrow. That's actually a great place to be. All right, listen. I like where we're at right now. This is where our fan base loves us to be. A very close, you know, heavily, heavily battled matchup where it's really going neck to neck. All right. With all that being said, Ray, hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Joel and Ellie. Let's just talk about how they are survivors. Starting off with the fact that Ellie is immune to the cordyceps infection that has destroyed the entire world. Survival is literally in her blood. There is moments that you say, will Joel recognize traps? The answer is unequivocally yes. Joel and Ellie were driving through the city. I, th- I forget what city it was. Maybe Atlanta? I hope it's Atlanta. And there was a guy who appeared saying, hey, I need help. I need help. Oh, you guys got to help me. And Joel said, that guy isn't even hurt. And then Ellie's like, aren't you going to help him? And Joel Trist tried to run him over. And then like a dozen men with guns just jumped out at them because it was an ambush. And Joel spotted it immediately. Ellie grows up in the games, in the second game especially, to be just like Joel. She starts mirroring his attitudes. She starts doing things the same way that he does things, and she gets herself physically stronger as well. So she was a little, you know, small, you know, preteen girl or teenage girl in the first one, but she is a full-grown adult who knows how to lift weights in the second game, and that is also important. Another thing is mentality. Because Katniss and Peta, you know, they will, they have killed people before, sure, but they really would prefer not to. Joel and Ellie leave no survivors. If they ask you a question and you give them the answer they're looking for, they shoot you in the head. There is no walking away from that. And they also can use the best of their situations. One time Joel stepped into, I'll be honest, the one time early in the first game, he stepped into a trap and got hung upside down in a warehouse with a safe on the other end of a rope. You know, he was looking for his brother. It was an emotionally heightened moment. He didn't know. He knew that there would be traps. He just got stupid in one moment. But he's hanging upside down while Ellie's getting him out of the uh, trap. And he is shooting zombies upside down and drilling them one after another after another. So even though he was in a bad situation, he was able to get himself out of it also with Ellie's help. Now, in the games, crafting is a big deal. So Joel and Ellie can craft Molotov cocktails, nail bombs, smoke bombs, health kits, arrows, and explosive arrows that blow up multiple people at the same time, as well as set traps. You know, I'm glad to know that Katniss and Peta can set traps. Well, these nail bombs, etc., they can set up with motion detectors. So that way that this is a big thing that they'll do is they'll put it underneath like windows that you can climb through make a gunshot to bring people in, the people crawl through the windows and then explode themselves to death. That is how Joel and Ellie can craft these things. And the crafting is very, very fast. They can get all that done. And let's talk about the enemies that they fight. Because in Hunger Games, let's face facts, maybe not as impressive a a rogues gallery. You know, there are some of those mutant monsters, sure. There's those wolf things, awesome. There's tracker jackers, which is like a, a nest of bees. Okay, and then they fight other teenagers. Not exactly the most impressive people you could fight. Meanwhile, on The Last of Us, you got a whole bunch of infected, not even counting the regular human beings who are also desperate for survival. You've got the runners who are freshly turned fungal zombies who have a lot of strength. All they're trying to do is bite you or scratch you. And if they do, that's game over in two days for you. And if they last long enough as a runner, they eventually become a clicker 
So the fungal thing has covered their entire face, lowering their ability to see. So they use echolocation to find something that doesn't belong and then run at it with their superior strength and murder it. If the clicker gets its hands on you, you are dead unless somebody else comes to your aid immediately. Not to mention the bloaters who can take massive amounts of damage and then explode into a, what, a pile of spores that can also infect you. It's not a good way to go. Let's also talk about stealth because Joel and Ellie can stealth themselves in areas to make no sounds to the point where those clickers I just mentioned cannot find them. That's sort of a big deal. Whoever can stealth better is probably going to have an advantage in this battle. Also, Joel and Ellie have a video game power called Listen Mode, which allows them to see motion and body presences through walls, through doors, on the other side of walls. They can essentially listen to a super heroic level to know where people are around him. I don't think Katniss and Peta will be able to catch up with them. At the end of the day, again, The Hunger Games is a violent game show. The Last of Us and Last of Us 2 especially is a revenge quest. Ellie spends the entire time tracking down a character named Abby and murders every single person she's ever loved on the way to find Abby in a final confrontation. These are brutally savage characters and they don't care how their hair looks on TV. And that's my point number three. Uh, so much to push back on. All right. First of all, to answer your question, Steve, in terms of what can the armor do in the first Hunger Games, you know, which is the weakest form of the armor they've had. And so it's now upgraded. Katniss had to tank somewhat. She got out of the way of a lot of it, but she had to tank somewhat with these fireballs, if you remember, that were sent at her from all these crazy directions from out of nowhere by the people controlling the game itself, the Hunger Games. And she tanked some, or she, she kind of partially got hit by one, and the only burn she got was on her pant leg because that didn't have the actual armor on it, but her upper body was fine. So the armor actually can take a very hot and a very powerful hit and help her survive it. All right, in terms of survivors, you know, I, I just got to say, they, they survived a lot, but ultimately, Spoiler alert, Joel didn't survive, did he? He didn't survive, so he's not the ultimate survivor in all of this. More I was on that later. you wouldn't mention uh, that, James. I know. Well, I have to. I have to. Spoiler but, you know, like you said, people already jumped home. ahead. Yes. All right. Now, Ray just mentioned that Joel actually fell into a trap. And again, setting traps is something that Katniss and Peter can do very, very well. On top of that, crafting does take some time. You don't just say, hey, I'm going to make a, an arrow that explodes. You got to kind of find the resources. You got to find the arrows. You got to find the explosives. You got to put everything together. You got to find the place to do it. Stay safe while you're doing it. That's a lot you got to do while you're being hunted and while people are coming after you. Probably not going to happen that well. And finally, Race also said, whoever can stealth better is probably going to win. Listen, when it comes to stealth, Katniss is fantastic at staying hidden, climbing trees, but staying out of view. But you know who's really, really good at it? It's almost like a superpower. It's PETA who can actually, like I said, make himself completely and virtually disappear into his environment to the point you can walk right over him and he'll grab you out of out of nowhere and just catch you completely by surprise. He is the ultimate in terms of stealth in terms of these four people. But let me get to my point number three. And my point number three, hate to do this, but let's talk about Joel and Ellie how they have their own unique set of strengths and really just their weaknesses that I'm going to emphasize. Now, I like to look at characters that are on a mission and ask myself, you know, between this set of characters and that set of characters, I brought this up, who actually accomplished the bigger task here? Who actually fought their way to the win or at least got the closest to it? And between these fighters, 
Again, it was Katniss and Peeta who actually did it. They literally saved all of the communities, the districts from the capital's oppression, this dystopian society. They led the, the rebellion to victory. They, they brought an end to the, the capital's rule over all the districts. They overthrew the evil. All I'm trying to say is they did it. They won. Two people figured out how to kind of survive and and make their way through this society that was coming after them at all times, the drudgery, everything, and they won. They figured it out. Now, in terms of winning, Joel and Ellie haven't actually, quote unquote, won yet, and Joel never will. Why? Let's talk about it. Here's their weaknesses. Now, Joel's weaknesses include grief and trauma. I hate to say this. So he's experienced a lot of loss and trauma in his life. I guess that's to say the least of it. But again, it's the loss of his daughter that really, I think her name was Sarah, which we see, you know, I guess it still haunts him throughout the game, evidently. It makes him closed off emotionally. Joel also has a tendency to act on impulse without thinking things through, which can put him in, in those around him in danger in a very big way. Ray, again, you mentioned the trap. That's that impulsivity, not thinking things through that's going to put you at risk. He's also way too preoccupied with getting revenge. We already talked about this. Look, part of what makes him so interesting is that fact that Joel is driven by desire for revenge and and he's absolutely ruthless in trying to get it which unfortunately again clouds his judgment and you guessed it put him and those around him in danger over and over again now let's talk about ellie's weaknesses which include at first youth and inexperience sure she's savage sure she's willing to go there but you know she's a a teenage girl who grew up in a post-apocalyptic world never knew anything else she's inexperienced in many ways can be impulsive or reckless as a result she's also somewhat naive she's not familiar with the ways of the world at least when she's younger and teamed up with joel she can be easily taken advantage of and if you are naive you're more easily deceived by someone who can take advantage of it something Peta can usually do with his intoxicating mind fog and his charisma and his way of kind of winning people over now there's that emotional immaturity ellie has because she had to grow up way too fast as a result she didn't have that opportunity to fully process her feelings and emotions that teenagers need to do, which can also make her, you guessed it, impulsive and sometimes cause her to lash out and put herself in really bad situations. You can't, in a, in a battle like this, you can't let your emotional content take over because all of a sudden you're going to be doing something that you shouldn't be doing and put yourself in a vulnerable situation. Now, these weaknesses led to some big defeats for Joel and Ellie, such as, you know, when that little thing, Joel dies. That sucks, but he dies. That's what it is. He dies. The other big weakness is the fact that, I, again, I mentioned this too, the best version of these characters have never worked together. That means adult Ellie in her ultimate Super Saiyan form, if you will, has never fought beside adult Joel and vice versa. Now, Katniss and Petra, on the other hand, they fought together for years. They know how to work off of each other. Joel and Ellie are a team. It's kind of like this. They're a team of individual badass champions, right? But Katniss and Peta are a champion team. Just keep that in mind for a second. Two sides or these two great individuals at their peaks had never actually worked together. At this point as an adult, Ellie has her own style that Joel's not that familiar with. She's grown. She's different. He's not going to actually know 100% what he's dealing with. Katniss and Peter, though, they've been through a lot together over years. They are in tune. They're in sync. And they're able to accomplish massive things. And by the way, they don't die. So, look, in the end, after an insanely fierce battle, it's pretty clear a few things are going to happen. Joel's going to die. His emotions are going to get the better of him. He's going to put himself in that bad situation. Ellie would have come to trust Katniss Everdeen and Peter and most likely join their side and maybe even stop fighting and say, look, we should all come together. I don't know. Or Ellie's going to let that emotional content also put her in those bad situations. 
again, I don't see Ashley Peta getting out of this alive, but he's he's open to putting himself into that situation where he will sacrifice himself for the greater good, which is for Katniss to be the ultimate victor. We've seen this time and time again in the Hunger Games. Look, that's why Katniss Everdeen and Peta Mellark win. That's why Joel and Ellie lose. That's my point number three. No, no, absolutely. You have lost the script on this one. You think Ellie is naive? What are you talking about? She's telling Joel and everyone else to go bleep themselves basically from moment one that we meet her. She's not naive in any possible way. She uses pretend naivete to get people to trust her so she can stab him in the neck. And you say, oh, they didn't they didn't win their world. There's nothing to save in the world of The Last of Us. It's gone. There is no grand empire to overthrow. There is a shadow, shallow government and there's not much else there. Who cares? And when Joel gets uh, found out and he gets murdered, yes, that does happen in the second game. That was done by a character named Abby. Now, when Joel saved Ellie, the doctor who was about to cut out her brain was Abby's father, and Joel murdered him because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time doing a wrong thing. And Abby has lived her entire life seeking out, searching for Joel, training out of her mind because she wanted to find Joel and kill him. That's a heck of a lot different way to go down than being beat by two random children in the streets. If somebody devotes their whole lives to killing you and they do it, that's called uh, success. You know, you can't really blame Joel for getting uh, tricked and jumped by her and then being murdered by like a room of five people. That's just something that could happen. And let's just talk about for a moment what's actually going to happen because listen mode is important here. PETA is going to try to hide somewhere and he's very, very good at it, but he does have to breathe. And using listen mode, Joel and Ellie will find PETA wherever he's hiding and shank him. Shank him real, real hard. Let's not forget that Joel and Ellie are using guns and PETA and Katniss are using bows and arrows and not guns. Big deal. And savage attitude. You know, uh, Katniss and PETA are fighting because they believe in something in their own respective property. But here, this is a fight for survival. And who's going to survive at the end of the day in a battle like this? Joel and Ellie will survive this. They have the savagery needed. And Katniss is a little bit too trusting. I said before, Ellie has pretend naivete at times to get people to underestimate her. And that's exactly what Katniss would do after they've already killed PETA. She'll get too trusting. And that's when Joel comes from behind with a 12 gauge double barrel, taking out Katniss right there in the street. Joel and Ellie survive. That's all I have to say about that. All interesting stuff. All right, Steve, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process, tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Joel and Ellie and the team of Katniss Everdeen and Peta Mellark. Well, I know I'm not allowed to declare a tie. <laughs> no! I'm not Correct. allowed to declare a tie. I think what would really, really real deal happen would be, you know, a long drawn out exchange. I think Joel would kill Peta, Katniss would kill Joel. But I'm not allowed to declare a tie. So after hearing all of this, what I see happening is these two teams, they're each making their way through the wilderness. They each kind of sniff out that, hey, somebody's just a little too close. And I think Joel and Ellie may be switching to, hey, just a lost dad and daughter out here mode. And without having to set any sort of trap, set an emotional trap for Katniss and Peta. And there, we can all work together and save this whole place kind of attitude. And I think they let them in. They let them get a little bit close. And as soon as, uh, as, soon as Joel 
sees something he doesn't like. He takes out Katniss, and then they both take out PETA. And I think that's why the team from The Last of Us would win. I love to hear it. I think that's the only correct decision here. I think I think Katniss and PETA are just a little too compassionate. And when it comes to a pair like Joel and Ellie, I think that will be their downfall. Steve, I got to tell you, I respect your decision. However, you're wrong. Let me explain. (laughs) What's happening here? (laughs) What's happening here is like you have this team of two ultimate badasses. It's kind of like Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior. Right. And And they're getting along at this point. And they're both insanely powerful, but they're not truly in sync. One's kind of modeled after the other in terms of being powered up or what have you. All right. And the other side are like the British Bulldogs. Oh. Not as big, not as powerful, but so in tune with each other that they know how to kind of play off their weaknesses, their strengths, double team the one person they need to, throw the other person over the, you know, through the ropes, take him out, distract the referee and get the win or however, and then bring their bulldog in the ring and celebrate with the crowd. I think you missed that part where I said there's a team made up of two champions facing a championship team. I mean, that's all I got to say about that. But with that I, being said, I do love how you brought it all together. I heard it. I think it's a. I think it is a very good point. But I think that that savagery versus the compassion, unfortunately, we've seen in this world many, many times. Sadly, that savagery wins the day a lot. You know, and I'm reminded of a scene from The Last of Us where Joel is pinned down by a guy with a shotgun after clearing a building full of his friends. And Joel is just stuck there. The guy's got a shotgun. Joel can't really move anywhere. So Ellie, without them really even having to communicate it, goes off to the side, pulls out a flank while Joel keeps himself, keeps the guy's attention, gets a few more shots into the the, the little like thing that Joel is hiding behind to keep his attention. And then Ellie drills him from the side, taking him out. That's teamwork without speaking. And that's the kind of teamwork we're talking about. That's championship teamwork. First of all, the Bulldog's uh, uh, mascot was Matilda, I believe. Oh, Matilda. The Bulldog was named Matilda. Big fan, big right? fan. Uh, secondly, secondly, Ray, I think what threw me too, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, is which version of Ellie were you using for this battle? Was it from the second game, the first game? He kind of went between two versions. A little bit of a tomfoolery moment, but I actually admire that you did that. All right, Steve, listen, you were fantastic. You were an amazing judge, fantastic actor. Hey, Sax Calhoun. This was hard. Started it. And... I got to tell you, again, I I love it when a judge comes on, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, I love it when a judge comes on, doesn't give me the win, but really kind of puts a lot of thought and emphasis into it. So at the very least, I absolutely respect the decision the judge made, as wrong as it is. I already said why. With all that being said, please come back onto the show. You were fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> I just got to be me. And I appreciate uh, but in that. The, in the meantime, please tell our fan base, the Legion of Audience, where they can find you online. All right, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, though I barely use Twitter and TikTok. All three, I'm Big Steve Moulton, M-O-U-L-T-O-N, Big Steve Moulton on the three big social medias. Feel free to send me an ad on Facebook if you want to try. I mean, I keep my page there private. It's worth a shot. Um, And, of course, keep an eye out for me on Young Rock on Peacock. I think you should leave on Netflix. Sharknado, I believe, is still available on Amazon. And if you have Paramount Plus, take a look at a movie called All About the Money starring Eddie Griffin and Casper Van Dien and a whole lot of other people. I have a funny little scene in the first 10 minutes. It's it's funny stuff. 
I think that's all my plugs for right now. Those are good plugs. Those are good plugs. Thanks. All right. That was awesome. All right. Race to Canis. Congratulations on three in a row. You're starting off season five insanely strong. Tell the fan base where they can find you online. Look, I deserve three in a row. I deserve 50 in a row. Quite honestly, I'm better at this than you, James. I proved it last season and I proved it once again today. You're up against the ropes, which is maybe the most dangerous version of James because I know you've got some malarkey coming. Steve, Thank you so much for being on the show. It's my first ever win from Haystacks Calhoun Whoa. because he would not uh, wrestle me, uh, probably because, um, you know, he was dead. <laughs> uh, you can oh find my gosh. me on you know, Twitter. It always makes the show. Yeah, all I'm going to say, Steve, listen, the pleasure. Thank you for saying the kind words, but the pleasure is really all ours. Again, when a judge takes that that seriously, puts that much thought into it, it turns into a classic episode of Who Would Win, which is now what this is. Ray, tell our listeners where are they can you, find you Are you both done patting each other on the back? This is my segment. How dare you? Hashtag Ray is right. Hashtag Ray is being robbed of attention in his moment. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Get ready for Victory Friday. It's the best day of the week. Hashtag Victory Friday. I have nothing more to say. You two chuckleheads enjoy each other's company. I'm going to be in the winner's circle. <laughs> Steve, this is how he treats his friends, by the way. Sorry, his friend. That's you. That was priceless. That's, that's how he treats you. He won the day and he still got mad at me. That was great. Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, no matter what, I win on this show. It's fantastic. All right, <laughs> listen, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gadsy. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Race Decanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Sup everyone, Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwindshow right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.